Well, good morning. My name is Stephen. It's great to be with you, and uh, I'm excited to be able to worship with you guys this morning. I want to ask us all to stand. I want to read with you a passage of Scripture from the book of Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him, for he laid the earth's foundations on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in this holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and who never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Let's pray together. God, this morning, we come into your presence. We know that you have been here long before any of us gathered here this morning. God, we are here in your presence, and we often know that we don't come as perfect people. We never come as perfect people, and we come often as people who maybe have told lies. But Lord, this morning, may we recognize that because of your redeeming love, because of your amazing grace, that we are able to worship you in spirit and in truth. May what happens in this building this morning be a sweet sound to your ear. May we worship you with all that we have. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? 
And worthy is the King who conquered the grave. And worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. this morning, introduce yourself to somebody you don't know. Well, good morning again, everybody. You guys can have a seat. Uh, my name is Adam Harbaugh. I'm the outreach pastor here at Hopevale, and it is great to be together this morning and just have this time to gather together as a body and, and just praise and worship our great, awesome King. And as we continue in our worship uh, this morning, we are going to move into a time of taking the offering. And so I want to invite the ushers to come on forward and just uh, take a moment to pray as we prepare to give. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, so much for who you are and just your, uh, your grace and your goodness to us and just for the opportunity that we have this morning to come together and praise and worship your name. Uh, God, we love you. And as we prepare to give, we just take this moment to recognize that, uh, God, you, uh, you own everything in this world. You created it. You own it. And so, God, we just take a moment to reflect on the fact that even though sometimes we can get the sense that we own things. We really don't, Lord. And so uh, to take this moment to just say that, God, everything that we have is yours. You have entrusted us with things. And so as we prepare to give, God, whether it's a lot or a little, that is not what matters. It's this recognition that you own it all. And so, God, as stewards, we just want to give to you uh, out of the uh, just abundance and joyful hearts and God, would you take these gifts and just use them for your glory. Uh, Lord, uh, just grow your church, your kingdom here on this earth so that you would be known more and more uh, right here in our own backyard and around the world as well. God, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John in Revelation chapter 4 paints this amazing picture for us of the throne of God. 
that there's a rainbow that encircles it, that there are flashes of lightning and peals of thunder coming from it, that there are 24 thrones around it of the elders and that there are living creatures before it. And this is, I want to draw our attention to this this morning as we start this song. This is what he says of these 20, of the living creatures, that they never stop day and night. Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And that whenever they do that, which is day and night because they don't stop, the 24 elders cast their crowns at Jesus' feet and they cry out, worthy is the Lamb. You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. And I want us to have that sense in our minds of this eternal worship being given up to an eternal God who is eternally worthy. And that is what we're doing here this morning. Joining with them, offering our praise and worship up to God.
Before you even created man, you knew what you would do, and you knew the price that you would pay for us, and you did it anyway. We love you, Jesus, and we just 
thank you for your presence in this place today. Amen. You can be seated. Once a month as a church family, we take a moment to celebrate communion together. Uh, as we prepare to do that, uh, I, I want to tell you a, a story, a couple stories from my weekend, because I don't know about you, I don't know what you're bringing in uh, with you from this week, but my weekend has not gone real well. And uh, part of where that started was, so I have to go back a little bit, and I have this rabbit problem in my backyard, and I don't know if anybody can relate to that, but it is a big problem, let me tell you, especially when you have two dogs. Uh, you know, the rabbits, they do their business in the backyard. My dogs go out and eat it. It's not a pretty thing. Like, I'm sorry, but that's, this is why I don't like the rabbits. They destroy the yard. So a couple years ago, I bought a non-lethal rabbit trap because I wanted to trap these rabbits and relocate them to the back of the subdivision. <laughs> as long as they're away from my house, right? It's at least a good quarter mile. So this was the plan. Uh, so bought the rabbit trap. I've, I've had it out there for a couple years. I've caught a couple and relocated them, so it's, it's worked and everything. But yesterday morning, I discovered that there's one major flaw with the rabbit trap, and that was this. There's not a sign above it that says rabbits only. <laughs> so the biggest skunk I have ever <laughs> seen yesterday morning in the rabbit trap, and we became aware of this because my dogs were outside barking their heads off at it. So a moment of panic, like, get in here, you stupid dogs. Don't go anywhere near that. So anyway, not a good morning yesterday. Uh, Friday afternoon, I was uh, in my van driving up Lawndale Road a little quickly, <laughs> and I got pulled over. So I was breaking the law, I was speeding, and I got caught. I got pulled over. So here we are in the van, and the officer comes from behind and walks up to the car, and, you know, license and registration, and do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, yes, I was, I was going a little fast there because I was in a hurry. And, you know, there's this moment where you're, you're just kind of at, at his will and his decision. You know, I was caught, I broke the law, and he had full ability to write me a ticket and uh, do what they do. So fines, you know, uh, implications for insurance, all that stuff. So this is what's going through my mind, like, oh, man, I totally messed up here. So he goes back to his car, comes back a few minutes later, and he's like, I don't know, you know, what you do, but I know that this ticket would be hard for me to afford. And so what I'm going to do today is just let you go with a warning. And in that moment, just that experience of grace to recognize that, you know, he, he uh, showed compassion for me, and he decided to extend grace in that situation and to let me off with a warning and to hopefully not do it again. And you know, as I was thinking about that, you know, there's a huge parallel between that and the, the grace and the compassion and the forgiveness that God extends to us. And it goes way deeper than just the implications of a traffic ticket, a speeding ticket. You know, it, it's where our souls hang in the balance. You know, in front of a holy God, we are sinful people. And our sin does not mesh with a holy God. And so there are consequences for sin. And, and in a sense, like God pulls us over and says, I, I'm pulling you over for your good and the good and the benefit of people around you as well. You know, I'm going to take this moment to use it as a teaching opportunity. 
to kind of help get our attention and say, you know what? You are not perfect. You are sinful and broken. As much as you try to be a good person, we are born with a sinful nature. And if we're all being honest with ourselves, we do things each and every day that, is, that hurts the heart of God. It's against his nature. And so there are consequences for that. And this is a little bit where the illustration breaks down because the officer, he extended me grace and let me off with a warning. But, but God takes it even a step further. So what didn't happen is the officer did not say, you know, there, there has to be a fee that is paid because of what you did, and so I am going to pay it for you. He didn't do that. He let me off with a warning. But essentially, that is what God does for us. He says there has to be a, a payment, an atonement, a penalty for the sin that each and every one of us carry. And because of his great love for us, he pulls us over and has that moment and says, I love you so much. I am going to pay this for you. I'm going to cover it for you. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about the consequences of sin. The Bible talks about how the consequences of sin is death. That is what we face in our physical and spiritual bodies. That is what we face apart from Jesus. And so God pulls us over and he says, you know what, I'm going to take care of this one for you. I am going to send my one and only son who lived a perfect life, who is the only perfect sacrifice to cover for our sins. I'm going to send him to this earth and he's going to sacrifice himself in death on the cross on your behalf. It's covered. It's taken care of. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says that, let me pull it up, I don't want to mess it up. That God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin or a sin offering for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's an incredible gift that God has extended to us. And so as we come to this moment, you know, that is what we are remembering and recognizing that Jesus did on our behalf because it's something that we couldn't do on our own. So as we prepare to take communion this morning, uh, we would just ask that you don't have to be a member at Hopeville to participate. All we ask is that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have come to that place of faith and recognize that it's not a payment that you could have covered on your own. What Jesus did on the cross is the only thing that could give the forgiveness of your sins. And so this morning, if you're here and, and, and we're talking about these things, and maybe you have never crossed that line of faith to recognize that you're a sinner and Jesus is your Savior and you recognize that personally. If you haven't done that, we would just ask that you let the, the elements pass you by as they go. And we ask that you would do that just out of respect for what we're doing. Now, this is not an empty ritual uh, for those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. So we would just ask you to let that pass on by out of respect, but also just to take this moment to ask yourself, you know, what's holding me back from accepting Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior because of what he has done for me? And parents, if you've got kids in the room, we would just ask you to use your discretion uh, with them as well. You know some of the conversations that you've had or if they have personally come to that place of faith. And so if they've done that, you know, please help them uh, participate. But if they have not crossed the line of faith, again, just use this as an opportunity to have a conversation with them about what we're doing here and now. Uh, so at this time, I want to invite the ushers to come forward as we uh, prepare to take the bread. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we, we come before you right now and God, just recognize the incredible grace that you have extended to us. We recognize the sacrifice that Jesus came and made on the cross for our sin on our behalf. It's an incredible thing, Lord. It's something that we could not have done on, the, on our own. God, we don't deserve it. Your word says that we, because of our sin, deserve death. But Lord, you looked at us and said, that's not what I want for you. I love my people. And you sent your son, Jesus, to accomplish that for us so that we could be in a reconciled, righteous relationship with you. God, we do not deserve that. And so, Lord, we just come to this moment and, and recognize what you have done for us. We remember the sacrifice that you have made through the physical death of your body on that cross. And so, Lord, as we just lay our lives before you and just evaluate where we're at and where we're standing with you, God, I know it's easy to just get lost in the hustle and bustle of the week and the busyness and the fullness and the stress of what all of that entails. So God, we just bring our lives to you in this moment and lay them before you. God, would you just convict us of the things that we need to be convicted of? God, we ask your forgiveness for our selfishness. God, just all of the things that go against your nature. Lord, we want our hearts and our lives to line up with who you are because we love you so very much. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
So the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. God, we take the bread in remembrance of you and what you did for us. God, it's something that we can never repay. And so we just, we reverently accept what you have done on our behalf. God, and we love you for it. We give you our lives because of it, just out of allegiance to you. And so Lord, as we prepare to take the cup, God, the new covenant in your blood, an incredible thing that you have accomplished, giving us free access to you, to God our Father. God, just thank you for that relationship that we're able to have with you. God, thank you for your blood that was shed on the cross to atone for our sin in a way that we could never do. We love you, Lord. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ.
So in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we, we don't really have anything else to say other than thank you for the cross, and we love you, God, and it is our, our heart's desire to to show you that each and every day as we live for you uh, through the grace that you have extended to us. So Lord, we just enter this time to hear the message from Pastor Dan. God, would you just open our hearts and our minds to the things that you want to teach us this morning. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Stephen, Carrie, worship team, tremendous, Christ-centered, God-exalting worship. How are you doing this morning? Good? All right. How many of you were here last week? All right. Year 21. Here we go. Okay? You ready? Yeah. All right. 
you know, you do something like that and, and you really hope, you know, the elders are there, but when my keys worked the next day, I thought, good, okay. It wasn't some kind of send-off or anything. Well, last week, in addition to recognizing 20 years, we began a new series entitled Lives 168 with the goal for us to think differently about how we as Christians live out our faith in Jesus Christ, that rather than just limiting ourselves to a one-hour-on-a-Sunday approach to our week and nothing beyond that, that we would instead strive to follow Jesus in such a way that our love for him would permeate all of the 168 hours we have each and every week. And so one of our big goals here at Hopevale is to be the kind of church that's going to help you move in that direction, to live 168. Now, at the beginning of this past week, I had this great idea, and it was really good, about how I could illustrate for you in this highly visual and incredibly gripping way. I was going to come up stage with this big see-through glass bowl, and I was going to take that glass bowl and pour into that glass bowl 168 pieces of that vividly colorful candy called Skittles. Bowl full of Skittles. Thought it would be a great visualization, right? Unfortunately, as some of you know, someone else beat me to the punch, right? Trump my idea. So um, instead of a bowl full of Skittles, instead of a basket full of deplorables or whatever we have, you know, it's just... Just hang in there a couple more months, okay, right? Set of illustrations, right? I want to talk about this series. I want to talk about what we covered so far and think about what it is to live more fully for the Lord than we ever have before. Now, last Sunday, I introduced you three specific ways we as a church are trying to help you do that. And those three ways are represented by the three words you see at the bottom of the screen here, connect, grow, and serve, right? connect, grow, serve. So we started then last week by looking at the first of these three, connect, and the need for us to be connected, not just with God, but with one another, right? Other Christians here in the church. And we looked at a passage in 1 John 4, and I made the statement that we can't grow closer to God if we're not moving closer to people. That our faith was never meant to be a private matter that's kept to ourselves. Rather, it's meant to be lived out among a community of like-minded, same-hearted Christian believers who are committed to knowing and following Jesus together. As the Apostle Paul, John, excuse me, wrote in 1 John 4, verse 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's God's vision for the church. Love. And so we got to fight hard to make sure that we don't lose sight of that vision and reduce our view of church as some kind of, you know, check the box, fulfill the duty, glad it's over kind of experience. Rather, church is meant to be both a place and a people of connection. And so that was pretty much the first half of the message last week. Then I spent the rest of the time telling you about different ways that everyone can get more involved and greatly connected with us, regardless of how little or how long you've been here. So if you missed last week, I encourage you to check out the message either on our website or through our mobile app. I'd also encourage everyone after the service out in the lobby to stop by either our Welcome Center if you're new here or our Connect, Grow, Serve desk if you're not to find out more of the many different ways that you can become more connected with others here at Hopevale. So Connect was last week. Today, though, 
I want us to look at the second of these three words, and that's the word grow. Grow, that if we as a church are going to be a community of grace and truth filled with people knowing and following Jesus together who are also inviting others to do the same with us, then we not only need to be connected with each other, but we also need to be growing in our faith. You and I need to grow. So this morning, I want to do two things in our time together. First, I want us to explore what it means for each of us to grow as a Christian. And then second, to be more practical, I want us then to talk about some ways that we can pursue that kind of growth here at Hopeville. So let's go ahead and start off by talking about this whole idea of Christian growth. And I'm glad it worked out today that it also just happens to be a communion Sunday, this sacred time when we reflect on the cornerstone of our faith, Jesus Christ and his death on the cross in our place for our sins. See, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't for religious people trying to be good enough for God. No, it's for desperate people like you and me who know that we need to be forgiven. And so with this gospel, this cornerstone, our standing with the Lord isn't riddled with insecurity, right? Where it's based on our fickle, inconsistent attempts at keeping the rules. Rather, it is firmly rooted in the complete and irreversible work of Jesus Christ. It is finished, he cried out from the cross. It is finished, and there is now, Paul says, no longer any condemnation for everyone who knows Jesus personally as Savior and Lord. You are loved. In Christ, you are accepted. In Christ, you are forgiven. Right? So if you're a Christian... Rejoice today. Rejoice and be glad that because of Jesus, you belong to God both now and forever. The cross and the empty tomb prove to us that this matter has already been settled once and for all. Well, everything I just shared there isn't a tangent, it's a starting point. It's a starting point that if you and I are going to have an honest, biblical conversation about what it takes to grow as a Christian. See, a lot of good religious people get confused about the place of human effort or good works in Christianity. Now, we've already talked about this ironclad certainty of the gospel, right? And how us trying to merit God's acceptance runs contrary to what Jesus has already accomplished for us. But because of that, there are some people who, in trying not to, you know, put forth a merit-based approach to salvation, swing the pendulum all the way to the other end, and they say there is no place whatsoever for human effort in the Christian life, that to talk about such things is just another form of legalism. Now, on the one hand, they're right when it comes to the acceptance part of our relationship with God, but on the other hand, they're wrong when it comes to the growth and maturity part of our relationship with him. In other words, listen to this, pay attention. Our effort can't gain a relationship with God, but our effort can help grow a relationship with God. Let me say that again. Our effort can't gain a relationship with God, but our effort can help grow a relationship with God. And that distinction makes all the difference in the world. And so our challenge as followers of Jesus Christ is to be uh, both rightly understand, but also properly apply spiritually motivated effort toward our growth as Christians. So how do we do that, right? What does it look like? Well, we'll look at a key passage in a moment, but before we do, I want to give you a word picture that I think really captures what the Bible teaches about this. I want you to think about um, the world of boating for a moment, okay? Boating. Now, for us as Michiganders, you know, that shouldn't be too hard. Of all the 50 states, Michigan regularly appears near the top of the list when it comes to numbers of 
boats registered or the number of boats sold each year. Florida's usually at the top of the list, but right below there, Michigan is usually hovering right around there. Everyone loves boats in Michigan. You know, just curious, actually, show of hands, how many people here uh, own a boat? Okay. Okay. Good. Wow. A lot of you. And then uh, for the rest of you, how many of you are mad at them because they've never invited you on their boats? <laughs> yeah, that's right. By the way, those last two questions just prove my point about our need for growth as believers in Christ. Those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're struggling with envy and jealousy. Those of you who did raise your hands, you're struggling with pride and materialism. So it just, <laughs> you know, we're busted all the way around, right? Okay. Now that I've made everyone mad at me, let's go back to this word picture, okay? I want you to think about three different kinds of boats, okay? Rowboats, speedboats, and sailboats. Roadboats, rowboats, speedboats, and sailboats. To me, each of these provides a great illustration of how different people try to pursue growth in the Christian life. So first of all, you've got rowboat kind of Christians, where their approach is that it's all me and no God, right? All me, no God, that if I'm going to make any progress in my faith, that if I'm going to be a more helpful, more patient, more loving person, then I'm going to have to try harder and row faster. Now, robo-people are well aware of their failures and inadequacies, and that's a good thing. The problem is they think it's all up to them to fix their own lives in order to make any progress. And so here there's this really high value placed on human effort and working hard, which, by the way, can be really appealing because those who row the boat get to take all the credit for themselves. They don't have to rely on anyone else. Other Christians, God, nobody. Unfortunately, though, while there might be times when it appears like you're moving forward in your faith, the reality is you're only exhausting yourself and really going nowhere in the end. You see, a rowboat approach for Christian growth is both unbiblical and ineffective. So that's one type of Christian. The second type is this speedboat kind of Christian, right? Now, speedboat Christians believe in the power of God. Speedboat Christians know they can't do it on their own. So, you know, speedboat Christians, they what? They just wait then for God to move them ahead in the faith. That if rowboat Christians are all me, no God, and speedboat Christians are the opposite, that when it comes to growing, it's all God, no me, right? Just grab a drink, slather on the sunscreen, put your foot on the gas, and let the good times roll, right? God... Just do your work, right? Let go, let God. Now, you know, I'm all for believing in the power of God. Don't get me wrong. I know that I can't do it on my own. But when you exclude any kind of human effort from the equation, that kind of approach is unbiblical as well, but it's also irresponsible. That if you and I were to take a quick survey of all the different New Testament letters written by people like the Apostle Paul and others, you see numerous times, numerous commands, where Paul, by the way, who is a champion of grace, writes things like, you need to start doing this, or you need to stop doing that, or you need to keep on going in the direction you're headed by continuing to do these several things. It's like I said before, our effort can't gain a relationship with God, but our effort can help grow a relationship with God, right? Rowboat, speedboat, and then you have this third kind of approach, the one I believe is the most biblical, and those are sailboat kind of Christians. Sailboats. Now, over the last few summers, I've had my own personal sailing adventures, and I got to tell you, they haven't all been the greatest, right? As a novice, I have tipped over a sailboat and struggled to get back to shore. I've also stalled out 
a sailboat and stayed in the same place for a long, long time, right? Maybe you've had that. But you know what? There were also moments, moments where everything came together and the sails caught the wind just right and I found myself carried along and moving forward. Now, I have a question for you, sailing question, and this is not a trick question, all right? Just, what powers a sailboat? The wind, right? Told you it wasn't a trick question. What powers a sailboat? The wind, right? I mean, unlike a rowboat, it's certainly not my power that makes a sailboat go anywhere. That's just common sense. No, it's the wind that moves the sailboat. But let me ask you another question. Does sailing require any effort on the sailor's part? Yes. Wow. I, I don't know about 1045 and 1230, but we got a lot of smart people in this service, right? <laughs> two for two. Yeah. So do you see where I'm going with this? That if the rowboat is all me, no God. If the speedboat is all God, no me. Then the sailboat is God's power and my cooperation, right? God's power, my cooperation, I don't make the boat go forward on my own, but I do have to work to position the sails so I can catch the wind, and so it is with the Christian life as it's depicted in the Bible. For every believer in Jesus Christ, at the moment of our salvation, God places in us the person of his Holy Spirit to empower us to grow as Christians. It is the Spirit who makes us more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, who makes us to be kinder to others, who makes us more faithful to God, who allows us to exhibit greater self-control in the face of temptation, right? All this and so much more can only happen by the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. He is the wind that powers us and propels us forward in the Christian life. So you and I cannot even begin to dream about living 168 for the Lord if we are depending on our own strength to do so. No, we need to fully rely on the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, is why we're going to spend a few weeks later on in the fall in our next series learning more about what the Bible has to teach about the Spirit. Why? Because the power for change, the power for growth, comes only from the Holy Spirit, and yet, and yet it also takes some work. It takes some effort on our part to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. So the question is, will we strain, will we struggle against him, or will we submit Will we surrender to him, right? Struggling or surrendering? Look at these words from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament book of Philippians. Chapter 2, verse 12, verse 13, he writes, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Look at this next line. Continue to work out, you, Christians, Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, for the normal Christian who doesn't know anything about what we've already looked at today, you know, the, the, the centrality, the certainty of the gospel, the difference between trying to gain a relationship with God versus trying to cooperate with God to grow a relationship with God, right? Then this passage is just going to confuse the socks off them, right? Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, Wow, does that mean I'm not saved? Does that mean I've got to keep trying harder to make sure that I am saved? What does this mean? Well, let me tell you, that's not what it means. No, the Apostle Paul is talking about growing as a Christian, not becoming one. He's saying, listen up, Christian, you are already in Christ, so now I want you to continue to put forth the serious efforts so that you'll become more like Christ. Becoming more like Jesus Christ in our ordinary lives. That's what Christian growth is all about. 
in our homes, at our work, here in church, with our friendship. That's what it means to grow, because the true test of a Christian isn't measured by perfect church attendance for one hour on a Sunday each week. No, real Christian growth is about every one of those 168 hours in our week. They all matter. They really do. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is the call to effort. This is the call for us to cooperate with the power of God in our lives. That's why Paul goes on to say then, for it is God who works in you. Remember, that's where the real power comes, right? It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God is the one doing the real work to grow us. He is the one supplying the real power to change us. I love the way the New Living Translation uh, version of this verse reads, for, it is God working, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. The desire and the power to do what pleases him. You know, when you talk about cooperating with what God wants to do in your life, it's the Holy Spirit who will give you both of those things, desire and power. You know, if you think about it, you really need both those things if you're going to grow and change, both desire and power. See, it's not enough to be able to grow, but you also got to want to grow, right? You really do. And so instead of trying to muster up desire on our own, instead of trying to think, you know, it's all up to us to grow us, God will give us both the want to and the able to when it comes to growth. That's how we grow as believers. That's how we become more like Christ. That's how we move more towards living a 168 kind of life. There's so many other passages, you know, that we could look at in the Bible that talk about our cooperation with the Holy Spirit of God as the key to our growth. But for the rest of our time, I, I just want us to be practical now, right? Practical about what our part is in Christian growth, specifically as it relates to Hope Val. What can you do here? Where should you put, so, put forth some effort, right? What does it look like, practically speaking, for you to raise the sails in order to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit in your life so that you can move ahead in your faith? Well, we've got a lot to offer around here to help you. And why? Because what? We think it's that important. Your growth glorifies God. Your growth blesses others. Your growth strengthens this church. And your growth will actually bring greater joy to your own life. It's that important. There are plenty of opportunities that we want to provide for you to help you grow, but for the sake of time, I want to talk about three, right? So the first is this, is connections, right? Connections is this sheet right here, and the primary purpose of connections is to take what you hear with the message on Sunday and drive it deeper into your life for the rest of the week, or maybe I should say for the rest of your life. On the front of Connections, there's a space, right, where you can take notes on the message, jot key thoughts, impressions that you want to take away. The bottom, we put the primary Bible passage that captures the heart of the message. Then on the other side, we've got a list full of questions that are designed to make you think, to help you learn, and to encourage you then to better live out your faith. And Pastor Ken does a great job putting these together every week in such a way that not only challenges us personally, but also nudges us to talk about with other Christians. Now, we use Connections as the main Bible study and discussion tool for our community groups. Those are those uh, smaller home groups I talked about last week. But even if you're not in a community group, you can still benefit greatly from using Connections as a way to supplement your Sunday morning worship experience here. 
Now, practically speaking, you can access our weekly connections several different ways. If you want a hard copy, you can find connections uh, on the two uh, black Bible carts that are by the auditorium doors. Also, between the double doors, we have acrylic uh, resource rack holders where you can find connections. And then you can also go out in the lobby at the Connect, Grow, Serve desk to pick up a hard copy of connections. We make them available electronically. You can go to our website and access them on the Watch a Service page. You can also uh, find it on our mobile app with a connections icon, and we've also started putting the connections questions on the bottom of the version notes if you use that as well. A lot of ways you can get it. The point is this. We want you to make the effort to go deeper with the message so that the message will go deeper in you. That's connections one way. Here's another classes. Our classes, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and all throughout the week, we offer several different kinds of growth classes. They cover um, all different um, Bible topics as well as life issues, right, from a Christian perspective. Now, classes usually typically meet once a week for an hour, hour and a half, maybe up to two hours, and they can range anywhere from four to six weeks up to 12, 13 weeks. Some even go kind of through the entire school year. And again, uh, the desk out there, Connect, Grow, Serve, and our website is the best place to learn more about our classes. But I just want to focus on a couple, the very, very important classes we offer, and that's Foundations and Following Jesus. Foundations and Following Jesus. Both of these are six-week classes that go 90 minutes once a week, and we offer these a couple different times a year. That if you are ready to move beyond the auditorium, you want to learn more about what it means to be a Christian and how to grow as one, these are the classes for you. As a matter of fact, we feel so strongly about these classes. We think that everyone who calls Hopevale their church home should go through them soon after they get settled in here. As a matter of fact, to heighten their priority, uh, we move them this fall to a prime time at a prime location. We run the classes Sunday mornings, 1230 to noon in the venue right here on North Campus. And let me just say something about that. You know, one of the changes we made this fall was to no longer offer the family venue worship in the room called the venue at 1045. We did that not because we didn't think it was good. It was. I know some of you used that. But we did it more out of a priority, right? We really, our emphasis now is we want everyone here to grow in their faith. We want everyone to live 168. And so we want to make these classes as convenient as possible. Right? We believe they're that important. And so as we make these changes, and there's still other places, right? You can watch the service behind the auditorium. That's why we expanded the lobby space. But again, our heart is not just that people start with Christ, but that they grow in Christ. And I think foundations following Jesus, those are great two classes for that. So we have connections we have classes, and then finally, we have something that's brand spanking new. We have a new discipleship tool we're introducing you to today called Right Now Media, right? Right Now Media, and it's something we're making available to everyone here at Hopevale. Uh, someone described it this way, that Right Now Media is like Christian Netflix, okay? It's this huge library of faith-based videos for all ages that you can access a lot of different ways, on your phone, on a tablet, on a computer, even on your TV at home. But unlike Netflix, which what? Is to like veg out and escape, right? Right now, media is to equip, encourage, and educate us so that we can live more as a 168 follower of Christ. And one other difference too, this one's free. 
right? We're making it free to you, anyone who calls Hope Elder Church home, for as long as we offer it. That's right now media in a nutshell. But I want you to see this two-minute video. It's going to explain more about it, okay? Our church is a light in the darkness, a city on a hill. Every believer is called to make a difference in the world, to love God completely, and to make disciples of every nation. But in this busy, mobile, noisy world, it can be difficult to even do the basics, to pray, to read the Word, to bring the love of God to our marriages, families, neighbors, and co-workers. We know you're here because you want to be a part of God's mission on the earth. You want to experience the abundant life that Scripture talks about. You're looking to connect your faith to every part of your life, every day of the week. That's why our church is subscribing to Right Now Media and making it available for free. You'll have access to over 10,000 online Bible study videos on parenting, marriage, finance, discipleship, leadership, and many more. The videos can be used in Bible study groups or for personal devotion. There's also a huge library of safe biblical kids videos. We'd love to see every member of our church utilizing Right Now Media. Small group leaders leading their adult or youth groups through engaging Bible study series. Children enjoying safe programming that doesn't just entertain, but helps lay a strong spiritual foundation. Families spending quality time together, going through devotional Bible studies. Couples using biblical studies on marriage, parenting, and finance. Applying God's Word to every area of their lives. There is something for everyone. We want to help you grow as a disciple of Christ. And we want to help you become a disciple maker in your home, your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, in whatever mission field God has called you to. We believe that this free resource will help equip and unleash you to live out your faith in every area of life. To experience God-centered, abundant life, not just on Sundays, but every day. Every area of our lives, every day of the week. One more resource that we want to help you uh, with that. So if you're interested, how do you start using it? Well, if you are already part of our church database, you should have received an email invitation earlier today. If you didn't get one, it either means you're not part of your, our database yet, or uh, maybe it's caught up in your spam filter, something like that. But assuming you did get it, how you sign up is real simple. Just open the email, click the link, sign up for an account, and you're all set to go. Easy enough. Now, if you have more questions or you're not in our database, but you're interested, stop by the Connect Grow Serve Desk out in the lobby. They'll help you out. Let me just say this, that if you did get the email, but you're a little hesitant on signing up, that's okay. No pressure, right? We haven't shared your information with anyone else. No one's going to keep bugging you about it. We might send out another round of invitations, you know, a few months down the road, but that's about it, right? We just... You know, we're passionate about seeing our church grow, and whatever it takes, whatever means, we want it to happen, right? And so whether it's Right Now Media or classes or connections, we're excited anytime we can offer you experiences, environments that are going to help you grow as a believer in Jesus Christ. But listen, it's going to take some effort on your part, right? That's what the message is all about. 
Some commitments, some changes in your priorities, some reshuffling of your schedule, because you can't row, row your way, you can't speed your way to becoming more like Jesus, but you know what you can do? You can do the work of raising the sails so you can catch the wind, the power of God's Holy Spirit in your life to take you from what? Lukewarm, half-hearted, one hour on a Sunday religion to wholehearted, live 168 kind of faith. It's what I want for you. I believe that's what God wants for you. And so as we go to prayer, as we close this service, as we get ready to head out into our weeks, let me just leave you with this question. You know, what step can you take? What step can you take this week? What effort can you put forth in your life to help you grow as a Christian? There's no magic formula. It doesn't happen overnight. But as we make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit's work, as we raise the sails so we can catch the wind, He will give us both the desire and the power to live out God's will for our lives. So as we close, would you stand? I just want to pray with us and for you, and then we'll we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you. Thank you for a powerful time of worship. Thank you for proclaiming through song, through communion, through the message that Jesus Christ is our cornerstone, that all other ground is sinking sand. And God, thank you for inviting us through Jesus into a relationship with God, a a relationship that we cannot, you know, gain on our own. But Lord, you call us to put forth the effort to grow, right? And so help us to do that, right? Give us the ability, give us the desire to want the things that you want for us. And so for every person here, I pray you would give them a specific thought, idea, step, impression of what they can do to pursue growth and maturity in Jesus. Lord, I pray that for us individually. I pray that for us collectively as a church. Your church, we belong to you, and we pray this together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Next week, we will continue our Live 168 series by talking about serving together. But as you go from here, may the Spirit empower your life. God bless you.